Hello, and welcome to the January 2017 Respiratory Care Podcast. This is Dean Hess, editor of the journal. Our editor's choice paper describes a respiratory therapist disease management program for subjects hospitalized with COPD. Silver et al. evaluated whether such a program would reduce rehospitalization and emergency department visits in a prospective, single-center, unblinded, randomized trial. Their program was associated with fewer readmissions, fewer ICU days, and shorter hospital stays due to COPD exacerbations. Deerdak points out that this study adds to the growing evidence supporting use of a structured, pre-discharge, comprehensive disease management approach for high-risk patients admitted for COPD exacerbations. Respiratory therapy departments can use this study as an example of how to develop a program to prevent COPD readmissions, improve patient care, and reduce costs. Itagaki and colleagues conducted a bench study to evaluate the performance of leak compensation in all-age ICU ventilators during volume-targeted neonatal ventilation. They found that only the Puritan Bennett 980 and the Draeger V500 ventilators acclimated to all leak scenarios to achieve volume-targeted ventilation. The authors suggest that further clinical investigation is needed to validate the use of leak compensation during neonatal volume-targeted ventilation. As pointed out by DeLuca et al., these results will help clinicians decide which ventilators best meet their expectations and allow them to minimize the risk of non-invasive ventilation failure. In a second study by Itagaki and colleagues, the authors conducted a bench study to evaluate the effects of leak compensation on patient ventilator synchrony during premature neonatal simulated invasive ventilation and non-invasive ventilation. The ability of leak compensation to prevent asynchrony varied widely between ventilators and lung mechanics. The Puritan Bennett 980 and the Draeger V500 were the only ventilators able to acclimate to all leak scenarios for non-invasive ventilation, and the Puritan Bennett 980 was the only ventilator to acclimate to all leak scenarios in NIV. Delgado and colleagues evaluated the performance of the new turbine critical care ventilators. They evaluated seven ICU ventilators with pressure support levels of 10, 15, and 20 centimeters of water and two PEEP levels of 5 centimeters of water and the minimum level allowed by the ventilator. They found that the rate of pressurization and trigger functions were superior in the newest ventilators. The application of PEEP did not change the results. Apnea prematurity affects a small proportion but large absolute number of late preterm infants. Outpatient management is variably utilized despite relative clinical equipoise and potential for improved cost effectiveness. Montenegro et al. compared inpatient costs for discharge delaying apnea, bradycardia, and desaturation, or ABD events, with hypothetical outpatient management. They found that outpatient management of discharge delaying APD events in a late preterm and term population was a cost-effective alternative to prolonged inpatient observation. 
The objective of the study by Sodier and colleagues was to identify how prolonged mechanical ventilation in children and neonates is described in the literature and to outline pediatric and neonatal considerations related to prolonged mechanical ventilation with the goal of proposing a pediatric and neonatal adaptation to the definition of the National Association for Medical Direction of Respiratory Care. They propose a definition of pediatric prolonged mechanical ventilation that incorporates the number of consecutive days of mechanical ventilation while taking into account use of non-invasive ventilation, lung maturity, and including short interruptions during the weaning process. Chow et al. reviewed the management of children on long-term mechanical ventilation in Hong Kong over the past two decades. Their studies showed a steady growth of children on long-term ventilation. These children have distinct demographic characteristics, underlying diseases, comorbidities, and outcomes. Home care is feasible for the majority of these children. Prolonged survival of these children suggests the need to enhance transitional care to adult services. Gauda and colleagues assessed the reliability of a vibrating mesh nebulizer suitable for use during mechanical ventilation. They found that the Aerogen Solo nebulizer was often randomly interrupted with a wide range of retained volumes. To improve end tidal PCO2 measurement accuracy in a commercially available mask with a mainstream CO2 detector, Napolitano et al. implemented design changes with deform and hold shaping technology and anterior-posterior adjustment of the expiratory gas flow cup. They found that end tidal PCO2 measurement with the redesigned open system face mask was accurate in the bench setting. The redesigned face mask maintained a good mask fit and accurate capnographic tracings in the majority of infants and children. Phillips et al. evaluated techniques for interfacing capnography with supplemental oxygen masks. They evaluated the performance of two capnographic oxygen masks against a clinically expedient method using a standard oxygen mask with a flow-directed nasal cannula used for capnography and a spontaneous breathing model of an adult and child under conditions of normal ventilation, hypoventilation, and hyperventilation. Both of the specially designed oxygen capnography masks provided reasonably stable end tidal PCO2 without significant rebreathing at the commonly used oxygen flows. Because of their open design, end tidal PCO2 measured at high oxygen flows may produce artificially lower readings that may not reflect arterial PCO2 levels compared to lower oxygen flows. In a third study related to end tidal PCO2 monitoring during spontaneous breathing, Takaki and colleagues compared the end tidal PCO2 measured using a newly developed oxygen nasal cannula with a CO2 sampling port and arterial PCO2 in extubated subjects after abdominal surgery. They also investigated whether the difference between arterial PCO2 and end tidal PCO2 was affected by resting spontaneous breathing with the mouth consciously closed and deep breathing with the mouth closed. End tidal PCO2 measurements with deep breathing and mouth closed with a capnometry type oxygen cannula improved the prediction of arterial PCO2 in surgical subjects without respiratory dysfunction. 
The aim of the study by Viana and colleagues was to compare the effectiveness of hyperoxygenation at 0.2 above baseline FiO2 and hyperoxygenation with 100% oxygen in critically ill subjects on mechanical ventilation. They found that hyperoxygenation with FiO2 0.2 above baseline prevents hypoxemia. They also found transient changes in pulmonary ventilation with open-circuit suctioning using volumetric capnography analysis. Chanelli et al. conducted a bench evaluation of the performance of the NUEX system with a comparison to four other endotracheal tube cuffs. The NUEX is a dedicated tracheal seal monitor. The NUEX cuff system generally exerted acceptable tracheal wall pressure but the monitor allowed pressures exceeding 30 centimeters of water in some trials. The NUEX was the only endotracheal tube to prevent leak in all tests. Leak was reduced by the polyurethane cuff and PEEP and eliminated by lubrication. This month we published two systematic reviews, one related to mortality rates of subjects with acute respiratory distress syndrome and the other related to high-flow nasal cannula in critically ill subjects with or at risk for respiratory failure. To receive the contents of this and past issues of the journal, visit our website at www.rcjournal.com. There you can also subscribe to receive podcasts of future issues.